and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, Chris O. Tool. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Good, Dame. How are you? I'm doing good. I recorded at that time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was take two, everyone, just so you know. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I don't hit record. Sometimes I do. <laughs> That's just how it goes on this thing. Uh, but how are you doing, buddy? Good. I cannot complain. It's the new year. Everything is, uh, you know, it's it's going as it should, I suppose. It's been a while since we've, we've spoken here. Yeah, I guess, uh, well, last year. Uh, but, last uh, year. Yeah. Well, I guess we did weeks. kind of speak last week or in this episode. So actually, for, you know, the continuity of the show, it's actually <laughs> been really recent that we spoke. Yes, in th- in theory, but yes, not the the fourth wall not being broken. Yeah, it's been a yeah. little while. Yeah, no, we've been talking yeah. all the time uh, according to the fourth wall. Yes, but Chris, uh, so you had a good holiday season. Yeah, you know it's the usual. It's always uh, is what it is. It's uh, but it, it was nice to have. I, I just hope, like like yourself or whomever, like at least you get time off. Hopefully, and that was that was successful this year. So, um, but yeah, is what it is. I kind of have jobs where I I just never really get time off. Like it's always like present. Yeah, you were busy. Actually, while we're on that topic, uh, you played a performance or whatever you performed. Pardon me. Uh, that benefit. Yes, yeah, cool. we did. We gigged uh, for the Toronto Overdose Prevention Site. Um, yeah. A an awesome organization that's really doing like incredible work right now because I'm sure everyone's hopefully where at this point at least that we are in the middle of an opioid crisis yeah. uh 2000 people in Canada have died just because of uh opioid related or fentanyl i think specifically fentanyl at this point um yeah. and there's you know other stuff that's coming in and showing up in all sorts of drugs now it's like it, it it's an epidemic and so this is an organization that's working to smash the stigma around drug use in general, but also provide safe spaces for people to do it. So, you know, we can hopefully, you know, start dealing with this crisis and get these deaths, uh, down to something that's less horrifying than 2000 people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we got to play the show and it was, it was cool. Like dilly dally Mets, uh, witch profit, uh, all of us just kind of coming together, uh, friends of the show, friends of, of ours stuck in the city coming in through and kind of making that thing happen. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, really fun night for something that wasn't very fun, I guess, to be doing something fun for, but like, you know, you got to find a way to raise money somehow. Yeah. I know what you mean to say. I just, uh, I wasn't able to make it up, but that was the big, I knew you were doing something right up. That was very near the holidays for people who aren't aware. So that was what I was, uh, discussing with you when you were saying you were working in, in the holidays, essentially. Yeah. And then I was also doing stuff with herb over the holidays and doing this podcast Uh as well. So, you know, but like, these are all fun jobs. Like none of this stuff that I'm saying is, is stuff that I really hate doing. Mm -hmm. Which is good, but yeah. Smoking weed, talking punk and screaming (laughs) on stage. (laughs) Yes. But Uh, I'm glad the event went well. The, The stuff I saw, the coverage of it, what little I was able to catch, what looked cool. So I, re- I regret not being able to go, but you know, tis the season. 
Well, and I hope you like the Christmas present I gave you, Chris, which is giving you a week where you didn't have to talk about the all wrestling show. <laughs> I guess that's what what came about. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You can uh, give me some highlights if you'd like. <laughs> well, I, I can definitely take you through uh, that show. There was a uh, a star studded affair. Uh, Madison from Fury invited me out to do this thing way back when. I, don't, I probably remember when I did that. It was back in February earlier the year, and never posted it. Finally posted it, and. It is it is awesome. If you're a fan of wrestling, it is awesome. If you're Chris O'Toole, it might be worth a listen. I'm a like, I'm a fan of wrestling enough. I I just I'm out of the loop to the degree that I'm not sure I would get things out of it that a lot of other listeners would. Well, unfortunately, my recording device cut out before the actual uh, part where Darby Allen and Brody King came on the show. But uh, the only other wrestler that was on in person was Tuna, who yeah. uh, I introduced you to one of her recent wrestling matches just before we went on air. <laughs> yes, and, you did. And then also we had uh, Anthony from Ceremony, Riley uh, from Power Trip making his triumphant return, Pat from Turnstile, Pat and Anthony and Tuna, Tuna I would love to have on for like actual full episodes as well at some point. Bob Bruno was there. Making his way back to the show, Lars, MVP, Robbie Brookside, all called in. Uh, it was, yeah, what a what a fun afternoon that was, and you get to relive it if you so choose in podcast form uh, on on the Turn of the Punk feed. Nice, but I do want to talk, Chris, about the the brief spot that I showed you just before we went live, which is. Shaking the wrestling world to its very core, uh, <laughs> but did feature Tuna, who to me is the coolest person on the fucking planet. You know, the coolest person on the planet doing something that, you know, in wrestling, to me, the trick is at this point is to get people to to engage and believe, yeah. you know, and I think that, you know, how you do that changes by what type of crowd you're in front of. And so. Here, the match that I keep talking about happened actually at the Suburban Fight event that they had most recently, which is, you know, Madison from Fury who brought me out for this podcast. The same event, uh, Tuna was wrestling another wrestler that I've gotten to meet and kind of know a little bit, and she's she's fucking awesome, Priscilla Kelly. And they did a spot where Priscilla Kelly reached into her wrestling tights, pulled out uh, a tampon, and forced Tuna to eat said tampon. <laughs> yep, as I've now witnessed. Yeah. You've witnessed this, right? And this yeah. is uh first of all it's, it's wrestling, right? And so yeah. you know, wrestling you never use the F word when you talk about wrestling, but at the same time, like wrestling <laughs> is it's a show, you know? It's magic. And by God, these two performers <laughs> pulled off a trick so good that it has made people believe too much. Um, so now that there's, there's, you know, fucking people on the internet complaining, you know, screaming, uh, bloody murder, that this is the most offensive thing they've ever seen. And how dare these people do it? Uh, how this is the most, you know, like the most heinous thing to ever be done in professional wrestling. And I don't know. I just think it's the punkest fucking thing that's been done in wrestling in a long time. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I, as I'm out of like you know, I'm out of the loop. I saw the clip. It's uh, it's not well. It's what I expected and not what I expected simultaneously. I guess is what I mean to say. But um, yeah, it's I don't know. Like it's yeah, it's it's wrestling. <laughs> I don't, didn't I didn't think it was particularly. Like, I get why people are I guess up in arms, but I think like in in this day and age, I don't know why people would be so up in arms. It seems rather tame comparatively to a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Including and I things like, relating to this episode that we're discussing, by the way. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. that's the thing about wrestling that I love is, is the end of the day, it's a performance, right? And it's a performance mm. that no matter how many times you're told that what you're seeing isn't real and it's dismissed as being not real, every once in a while, they, you know, that's why it's great because it makes you forget that it's not real. And makes you believe. And I don't know, like if this was done on WWE TV to in front of a bunch of like younger viewers, which it wouldn't even be the most offensive thing WWE has done most recently. Let's not forget. They just brought back Hulk Hogan this week. Um, Mm. It would it would be different. They did this in a 21 over bar uh, on something that wasn't really even broadcast uh, to to a bunch of fans that freak these fucking fans out, and this is on a show where dudes are being thrown through tables, people are being you know smashed around, like you know, like legitimately hurting themselves. And here's something that's completely safe. Uh, if anything, it's like the Mister Socko spot that Mick Foley used to do, where he pulled the socks out of his his yeah, sweatpants and forced the person to chew on that. Um, you know, but and that's the thing that has got people talking. So. You know, I I don't know. I maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I'm like, you know, totally misreading this thing, and and this is detrimental to the the art form of professional wrestling. But nah, I don't fucking see it. No, I think that idea. You know, I expressed that to you earlier. I, I think any well that kind of outrage is is silly to me because especially in the context of wrestling. Not that like obviously wrestling is its own world and it plays by its own rules in many many ways i would argue um but yeah like i don't know to me to me this is just not like i get why this is controversial to people i guess but i don't you know like why does anyone care that much <laughs> i guess would be my like it's it's clearly doing what it's intended to do by by doing some like you know arguably outrageous act the thing i'll give them is it's I, you know, is that, I mean, you'd have to, you'd know better. Like, is that the, oh, it seems to, odd to me that that's the first time that that gimmick has ever been played. Well, I don't think, yeah, I don't think it ever has been played. Like, I think the Mr. Socko thing, you know, like yeah. people yeah. reaching in their tights, pulling something out. Like that's, that's as old as wrestling, you know, itself pretty much. But yeah. I think the idea of her reaching into her pants and pulling out a used tampon that that was that you know was made to look very real you know um you know like i don't think that's been done before you you of course have seen the wrestling tv show thing that i did where there there's that castration that was done in the ring i didn't get to see that episode yet but yeah no i I, yeah so like that's what i mean though it's like to me it just seems like those are the kinds of boundaries that that's that's what's explored in wrestling. Yeah, like no, I, I, I watched the go on, sorry. like the the one episode that you had done in Japan had the 
I'm I can't remember who the hell. <laughs> so, but the one wrestler whose gimmick was that he was a homosexual. Oh yeah, Dino Dan Sakudino. But it was also like, of course, like extremely like whatever, uh, uh, like still like a like a you know like a stereotype, <laughs> obviously, like a very extreme stereotype of that, and clearly not representative <laughs> entirely of that at all. So it was like that was in itself sort of not even sort of was it, I guess offensive. So I just think like these are boundaries. Those those kind of boundaries are what exists in that world. So they, like wrestling loves smashing taboos. I feel, and I think that's a good thing actually. Yeah, and I think I think with Dino, there's oh man, I, I'm not even going to start unpacking Dino. That God, I hope that <laughs> show comes out so everyone can see it. We we try and unpack Dino a little bit more in that show, but that's yeah. like it's it's wrestling will always reflect the culture that it's coming out of. Yeah. You know, I think and, that's accurate. and I made it a tweet about how, uh, to me, this is like art, you know, and, and that this, I come from a world where art is meant to be shocking and meant to, meant to be jarring. Right. And, mm-hmm. and to me, this was just, you know, jarring art. Like you might not like it, but you know, it doesn't change the fact that it was art. And someone's like, well, what, what does it say? I'm like, I don't know. I think, I think the symbolism is pretty easy to read in this thing. And I think the fact that this is happening in America right now, too, at this point in history, and people are freaking out the way they are, you know, illustrates why this is such an effective spot in pro wrestling being done in America. Yeah, I, I think what's impressive is, like you said, it's, it wasn't done on a large scale event. And the viral nature of the way, you know, social media is now where someone can videotape it and then spread it around, the fact that it's gotten. As well, I'm not aware of this. You had shown it to me, but like, oh, know, it's on TMZ a, today. Yeah, if you do a quick like internet search, it comes up, and yeah. so you know what I mean. Like the fact that it got the, this much traction is kind of wild to me. Again, think, yeah. and it, that's where we No, I just don't think it's like I don't understand why people are like shocked. I just I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little too out there. I guess. But I don't. Well, and here's the badass thing about the whole thing too. It was on a punk wrestling show featuring mm-hmm. two wrestlers that kind of come from punk rock music. Like Tuna plays in Dog Teeth. Uh, you know, she's the head buyer for Seven Inches at Amoeba. She like wow. has a killer record collection. Is one of the best fucking punk DJs I've ever heard. Uh, you know, and is like a, a legit great wrestler, trained pro wrestler. And Priscilla Kelly, like the stuff she listens to isn't necessarily my punk but it's certainly stuff that comes out of punk rock and like I, you know, the fact that here are these two people that both come out of punk rock in a punk rock fed, once again, shaking the world of pro wrestling <laughs> illustrates that the punk rock con- wrestling connection is fucking strong, Chris. <laughs> I have no comments on that, but yeah, <laughs> I think that was well put together. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think we got to move on now before I force you to talk about wrestling all night, because we have to move on to another controversial sector of the performance art world, <laughs> perhaps okay. the most extreme sector and popular sector of the performance art world, which is the world of Jackassery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jackass through a conversation that I got to have with one of my favorite people to talk to and hang out with, Danger Aaron from Jackass, Aaron McGee. Uh, Chris, were you a fan 
of the television product known as Jackass. It's <laughs> funny the way you queued that up. Uh, yeah, I wasn't like – yes, by and large. Like I've seen – I don't know if I've seen all the movies, but I've definitely seen I think the majority of them. Well, let's, um, let's take it back. Were you a fan of – of? Well, I guess before we get into this, can we talk about the podcast in general before we start diving into all the deep yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, what do you um, do? Let's – yeah, like this to me is is top five turn out of punks ever. Like, you know, I know it's super short, but to me, this is almost like the crossed out seven inch or like the fucking Neanderthal <laughs> seven inch of podcast, like, you know, or group sex or something like it's just like it's just all hits and all power the whole way through. Like his energy is just next level. Gotcha. I uh, all due respect. I do not have the same take as you. <laughs> it was entertaining. But Are you kidding me? You don't think these stories were like like legitimately some of the most? They were fine. It was just for me. I'm like, I guess what I need to hedge this here for people who don't understand. You had mentioned this to me. Whatever. Like I can't remember when you originally did this, but so you you built it up pretty yeah, big. Yeah, I did. I did. And again, you you did it on the back of. You know, frankly, a year where you had some pretty phenomenal guests and specifically like recently, end of year, you had some pretty incredible ones. So that's what I'm coming off of, you know, going into it. It's not to say it's fine. It's entertaining. I just mean like as far as me is I, I was expecting something different in terms of like because usually when you blow like things up like that to me, it'll be what the reveal will eventually be is like, oh, they have some like crazy deep head story about whatever like whatever factoid and there was like a little bit of that i would argue but like i think the more he he tells the story well i think his upbringing is wild like so those stories were wild but i i was expecting more like i was expecting more of the the footnote killed by death angle rather than just a wild trajectory of a human being yeah like i get that I like my thing i i do love those moments you know i do love the reveals but my yeah. my favorite thing in turned out a punk is when you know, it it you can see the direct correlation with young experiences and how they've turned out as an adult. Like, you know, the Craig Ferguson episode where he talks about how it wasn't until he met Lars that he was able to put his mind at ease about his place with punk rock, you know? And, like, I love those things where you can kind of see, like, how the person became who they were and or how the, they were shaped by their per- young experiences and, like... My God, if you don't completely understand why Danger Aaron is Danger is Danger Aaron by the end of this thing, you got to listen to it again. Yeah, I get like you're you're not incorrect. Like that's that's stating it very well. I just meant like again, it wasn't. I'm trying to critical. It's just, it's just it appealed in a different way than I had anticipated based on our discussions previous to it. That's what I'm trying to get at. But well, yeah, it was okay. like it, it was a very. Uh, what what it did for me, I will say, as a listener who's been in a vehicle recording podcasts with you before numerous times, <laughs> is that the it was very uh, it was a very illustrative experience. Like I immediately like felt like yes, I'm in this vehicle with these two gentlemen talking, and <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I I, could, I lived that. Yes, Chris, if the, we had uh, this vehicle on the Turn Out a Punk tour, <laughs> we could have toured forever. Yeah, we had a pretty nice vehicle. I can't remember what we had, but it wasn't bad. It was it was it wasn't bad. No, it was a good. It was a great rental vehicle, but it wasn't a truck that could power my computer when I was running out of power. 
<laughs> that's true. No. And it didn't have a cool dog in the backseat either. No, that's actually sick. But yeah, but it no, had it an even cooler just... dog driving me. <laughs> but yeah, I, did I don't not land uh... at all, Chris. <laughs> No, I, I know what you're saying. I, well, you dad joked that a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's fine. Like, I, I don't want to, I'm not throwing shade at the episode. It was just different than I had anticipated. And it didn't, I, early on, he drops the neuro, neurosis sleep story. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, here we go. And then it just never really went there, which is fine. It went elsewhere. But the, and the, the Melvin's not, obviously, there's, there's those tidbits. But other than that, like, that, I was waiting for that next corner to turn and, and it just never never came that's not to say it's not you know not good it just didn't reveal what i had expected that's all well fuck you chris let's move on <laughs> uh it's fine but I, no, I, I, I get what you're saying you. i totally get what you're saying and i think like that's the thing is is you know like this show is is ultimately it's going to change depending on who the guest is every single time yeah. because it's going to go yes. wherever they want to go and I'm willing to just nerd out about anything and everything. Yes. One one thing I do want to ask about because I don't feel that this is something like you you express this in the intro a bit, and it's you talk about it with him even a bit. But so how? Because I'm more perplexed that he just comes and takes photographs. Yeah. So yeah. he just he's just a regular attendee, and that's you had no idea. No idea. I pictured Danger Aaron A A R O N, right? Uh, okay. No, Danger Aaron because he never he was never like I'm Danger Aaron. He's like I'm Aaron or this is Aaron. I think it was yeah. actually the Bronx guys that introduced me and they're like, Hey, Damien, this is Aaron. And he I'd even seen him before at another show or maybe South by Southwest. And yeah. so I just assumed he was like you know some freelance photographer guy that yeah. was super cool and was just like you know he'd always you know he's super fun to hang out with and like be backstage and just like telling funny stories. Um, and then it was one day he was telling me about a book project he was working on. And he's like, you know, uh -huh. I want people to understand that what we were doing was like, we had, you know, you know, like kind of what you're saying here, like, you know, we viewed it as our art and I'm like, yeah. what? And I was just like, what the fuck is he talking about? And then, uh, and he's like, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, you know, you know, blah, blah, jackass. And I'm like, Oh fuck. And then I'm like looking at his tooth and then like all these things are coming like <laughs> rushing back, like the pew beard, like yeah. just like, whoa, oh man, this is danger. Yeah. Aaron, I get it now. Okay. And uh it's also, I think, you know, it's illustrative how cool Portland is as a city that like here's this dude who like kind of knows Jerry A. He, like knows Fred Armisen, knows like like just as like Portland's like a city where all these people are like connected. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, like you 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 mentioned that. That was like I don't do all those people live there though. I know he obviously does, I think, based on this. Yeah, the one time we were there, um, it was still like Fred was still there. I don't think he lives there anymore. But uh he okay. did for a while. And it's just it just feels like I don't like it feels feels like a cool city where everyone kind of knows everyone and there's, you know, people are all yeah, hanging it, out. Like I'm sure Yannick uh, from tragedy knows this dude. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I mean, you don't have to sell me on Portland. I, I like Portland. As a no, city. it's a good place. You got to go there one time, Chris. <laughs> we've talked, we've talked it up before on the show and I will defend voodoo donut till my dying days. But same um, here. People fucking hate yeah. when you say that though. No, but I'm having it like t totally having it. Like just anyway. Um, 
I, that's spoken as an outsider completely having said that. But, uh, but yeah, no, like, I can't remember where we got on the topic, how you brought up. Oh, yeah, so I asked about the him coming out. So what was the first time that, like, you knew of him to come out and take photos or whatever? Like, what? how, ba- how far back? South by Southwest, I guess. Like, maybe the first time we went there, I think maybe I met him or... Or like, like this is well over 10 years at this point. Okay, that's what I mean. Yeah, so like I didn't know because I'm more perplexed at that. I think that's kind of – that illustrates I think his kind of what he's into, right? Like he just goes to stuff and does that. That's that's cool, you know what I mean, for someone who clearly is just doing it out of interest, obviously. Like there's no need, I don't think, to uh, pursue that per se. Well, and yeah, and I kind of alluded to this on the episode and obviously I'm not going to go into – stories now, but I think you also have this experience of dealing with other people that were on the show and they were a lot more into kind of a celebrity trip in my experience. Yeah. I've never met them, but I I know what you're, well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I haven't met one of them, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, like I, I didn't, weirdly enough though, the one I met, uh, had not, didn't, well, there's a lot that would illustrate that you would you would think that there there's enough media things that have gone on with this person over the last whatever two decades that it would it would seem as such but when i met them in in person they were very nice actually and not at all um whatever like like didn't behave that way is what i would argue but uh again it was a, a weird example anyway maybe we'll go into it in another episode but um yeah i i can see what you're saying he definitely doesn't seem like that i will say yeah, no, he's he's definitely a a pretty you know unassuming kind of guy. But I guess this is yeah. a good point to dive in um, yeah. to the history of of I don't know this thing. I guess first, uh, were you a fan of the magazine uh, Big Brother? Yeah, like from what like I never again. So my context on this real quick is Jackass. I remember coming to Jackass a bit late. Mm-hmm. Because I remember being a bit, feeling like I was a bit old when it hit, or older. I wasn't old, but I, I was older than the people I knew that were really into it. Were like, you know, a good, seemingly like about a good five years younger than me. It seemed, or maybe even more. Because I remember seeing uh, specifically, I remember seeing someone in my area having that shirt. This is going back like. I don't know, maybe 15, so on, like maybe more now. I can't, around 2000, whatever, around there. And thinking like I was aware of it, but not to the degree where, like I I wasn't watching it to my knowledge on anything. Like I don't, did TV here even cover it? Yeah, like it showed on MTV Canada, but the first season was like marred by controversy, right? Well, I remember... Anyway, like point being, I remember it being something I, I knew was hitting more seemingly in the states, and I feel like we didn't get it here right away. And but then again, I knew what it was. And then when the movie, I think when the first movie came out, if I remember correct, if, I remember watching the first movie like again after it had done its theatrical run or whatever. And it was one of these things that was just always in the background where I was like, okay, whatever, you know, they, like they do stunts, whatever. Um, and then, but watching the movie and just being like floored at how like absolutely insane it was, like, like actually being genuinely like shocked at some of the things in it, which even at that time took me aback. Cause I, I thought I was pretty much desensitized. Um, 
And then, yeah, from that point on, I realized like, yo, this, you know, I think I went and saw the second one in, in the theater because I knew it was going to be good. Like I had an anticipation and it was excellent. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like, like a, like a card carrying fan, but I definitely like appreciated it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was a bit late to that initial, like the world he describes, it's, it's kind of funny to parse this now because there's a lot of talk of snowboarding in the episode. So from his experience, he's talking about like the, you know, snowboarding coming from skateboarding and all that. And I'm sure historically that's true. Uh, but at least, I don't know, for what little I can speak on behalf of skateboarding, as far as the East Coast is concerned, like most people I did know that, that skateboarded, snowboarded to a degree, but there's, there's a weird, not even weird. There, there's just a, um, I don't know, like a, 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 there's a breed of skateboarder that is not into snowboarding oh, and, definitely. and very, it's, it's very much like, like the opposition worlds. And so I was more of that mindset and I knew more people that were more of that mindset. So I didn't embrace those early things as much. Like Big Brother is a bit Big Brother is, is a good example of something that I was aware of. But that it wasn't whole, snowboarding like, Big Brother. It was totally skateboarding. No, I know. That that was skateboarding, exactly. But I'm talking about like the early stages. So Big Brother, yeah. yes. But like the whiskey video, all that other stuff is like no, none of that. Because that was just for me at that time was like a no no. And and so I never got into the, those videos. I remember hearing people speak of them for years, even, and, and just being like, "Yeah, whatever. Okay, it's you know this group of dudes, whatever." And then then realizing, okay, that became jackass and all that other stuff. But so there was a bit. I think my dis my uh, disconnection earlier on was that I wasn't on the ground level because I didn't. I wasn't about that stuff. That was their ground level stuff. Aside from Big Brother, which is only, I believe. I think it's is Tremaine involved with that. I can't remember the breakdown, but uh, anyway, what, what? Like, I think the the I always get this all. Tremaine, who I think directed all the the movies, I believe, maybe even the show, who went on to do like uh, like the Rob Deerdeck shows, and he's done a bunch of stuff. But I yeah, think he was factory ridiculousness yeah, and yeah. So he. I feel like it was him that had something to do with Big Brother. I, I, I'm i bad here. There's People can write in and correct me. I don't profess to know. But it's something – there's a relation to all that, I believe, around him. I'm sure – I believe because Bam was a pro skateboarder. I think at that time maybe Big Brother covered him. I can't remember. Um, well, he was doing the anyway. CKY videos at the same time. Yeah, but I can't remember if any of that bled over is what I mean to say. I can't, I can't remember how big – some of those people were at the time to be like a cross like platform, if you will. I think it was anyway. pretty big. Like the CKY, that's what I'm like. There were the, so the whiskey video to me is like the start of this whole thing. Like that was just like, yeah, just dudes doing dumb shit. Like yeah. riding dirt bikes in the convenience stores. And the scene where the guy gets a crazy splinter in his hand and all this kind of yeah. stuff. I remember just seeing that stuff, you know, drunk in high, like junior high yeah. type thing. And then, and then like the the CKY videos, but there's also the Big Brother videos like shit and like yeah. poop, and I'm trying to remember some of the other Big Brother videos. From but that yeah, time. see, so that that world is when I get out of skateboarding a little bit too. Like I'm sort of in, but I'm out, and then like yeah. So, but yeah, the, you're 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 nailing it though, because that is all the beginning stages for people that are our our age thereabouts, or even people that are just slightly younger. That's kind of where it's all coming from, but I never realized like the uh, 
whatever the reach or the the you know the jackass thing until it was fully you know solidified as like a thing like we always like you know, I don't know up here we get that kind of stuff as Canadians are saying we get some of that stuff rather like late I feel in that in that in those years there wasn't an immediacy like there is now with everything so I feel like we got we came to jackass like a year or two later than than it hit stateside the early issues of Big Brother it, it's like one of the like that's a huge influence I'm sure on Vice. Yeah, for um, sure like it was. Chris yeah. from that magazine ended up um, – I can never pronounce his last name properly. But he ended up writing for a long time for Vice. Might still write even for Vice. Um, but like, yeah, the early issues of Big Brother, like that thing is like the – like the, you know, how to make acid, how to conduct a seance or a satanic uh, mass. And like just, just you know, the, the – kind of the beginning of that kind of mondo journalism – that would become the bread and butter of vice. And that's now just kind of like, I guess a certain sector of internet journalism. Yeah. I think what I vividly remember, like from a, just a, like, you know, a, a silly standpoint is I just remember like there being like, from what I remember, there being like nudity and no censorship and like stuff like that, that immediately I just kind of like blew me away. I just thought like, how are you getting away with this? Like this is crazy. But well, that was like that was because I think that was also after though they had been bought by Larry Flint. Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, there's that famous story where they accidentally sent a bunch of uh, of porno magazines to subscribers by mistake because they switched <laughs> up the mailing lists. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I forgot about that. Now that you mentioned the Larry Flint thing, I do remember that now. But. I just remember, like, that's that's kind of what it was like, and that's early Vice felt like that too, where it was just like, how, like, how are they getting away with this? <laughs> like, there are things in here that are like, you know, at the time, pretty bold for, especially like Big Brother at least was a subscription base, but like early Vice was not. Um, anyway, yeah, so that whole that's what I remember as far as like, you know, I just remember like whatever, like the pranks or like the stunts, like nudity and like very, very kind of like vulgar kind of stuff. Like that's what I, my takeaway of it in hindsight. And I think, uh, you know, appealing to young people, I get it entirely. I don't know if I'd be so keen on it now if I, if it, something like that came out right now, but in those years, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's very, I don't know. It's very interesting that this is like, uh, I don't know, like I'm just sorry. I'm just now now I'm lost in the Big Brother history, but it's such <laughs> a, like an interesting moment in time that you know, like Big Brother begets ultimately this thing that becomes like a pop culture phenomena. Yeah, for sure. Um, it 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 the fact that people don't know, like there are genuinely people that have no idea what we're speaking of, maybe even listening to this, but like. As far as people who are interested in even like skateboarding or that type of subculture or whatever you want to say, like that was a big shift. Like again, I never really like had any of those magazines myself, but I remember like that and now that I just think the what is common in its wake is enormous. It 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 it's owed uh, a, a large debt of gratitude from a lot of people. And I think a lot of people who came out of it I think have turned out to be fairly successful based on what we're talking about for, from jackass and whatever. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like there's, you know, 
Yeah, it's just it's a, it's amazing the stuff that it managed to change. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. But like, yeah. Let's uh. I guess dive into the episode a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are there any specific points you want to get to? Um, I'm trying to think here. There was there was a few things. Uh, well, the sleep neurosis. So the sleep tour. He's saying that's the first ever sleep tour. I sleep. Yeah. We saw them. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. I think the the, to think. Year, the year might be weird though on it, right? When he says the year, he says. I can't remember. I just was trying to. One, I don't know why. I, I envisioned sleep and neurosis to not have ever played together. <clears throat> but I guess it, it totally makes sense. But I, I thought that might be something that happened like in recent years, not back then. Yeah, but I guess like well, neurosis like or sleep originally was like that asbestos death thing, right? I don't – yeah, you brought that up. I'm not a huge – like I like sleep. I've never been a deep sleep uh, head or anything. So that's – I don't know. I'll take your word. Well, get ready to put your head to bed because we're going to do a dive into the resource, Chris. Yeah. I've seen you're right. It does say sleep emerged in 1990 from the remains of asbestos death. Yeah. So that must have been 90 that he sees him. Yeah, which is wild. The first record's 91. So around there, 89, between 89 and 91 at some point, seems. Although, tours of sleep with drummer. Well, and Jason. Oh, and yeah, the neurosis drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Drummed in the band. Okay, so that, there you go. Yeah. I just I always these two bands for me I separated it in my head I don't know why, but uh, anyway Sleeper very excellent band actually uh, totally unrelated their new record is actually very good I don't know if you've heard it but um, oh it's yeah it's 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 really good like I'm always apprehensive based on you know that kind of scenario where it's like a reformed band and and all that but it's it's very good um, neither here nor there at the moment but. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I was just psyched on that. I can't imagine seeing those bands in that era, 90, seeing Neuro- Neurosis in 90-ish with Sleep opening. I also just think like, wow, like that's a – <laughs> if Sleep perform, I guess that era Sleep is not as Jerusalem-y, you know, so maybe it's not – it wouldn't be as epic or whatever, but I'm thinking like that's going to be a very trying show <laughs> for a lot of people. I think it would have been like – yeah, like it would have been uh it's interesting to kind of see like what would how do people take to sleep before there was the cult of sleep? Yeah. That's yes. That is the exactly put as I intended. Um Yeah, I feel like I don't know. You're right because that they are a very unique animal. And I feel like, you know, because of them you have, you know, even stuff like sun now or whatever, not that they're responsible solely or anything, I don't believe, but like that whole world of, you know, groups like that. I don't know what was really popping, you know, shy of the obviously like the Melvins are an influence on stuff like that. I would argue, but um, still a different. Yeah, I don't know. That would be weird. It'd be weird to see a band in that era like that. The asbestos death thing is is uh, super fascinating because like their first seven inch comes out on Profane Existence. Oh, nice. Um and. You know, like it. One guy goes on to form Nooth Crush, uh, Tom Thomas Choi, and then the rest of the band becomes Sleep. Huh. Yeah, I never knew that either. I'm familiar with that other group in name, but not uh, never really listened to it. So, is this more? I'm assuming this is more aggressive, right? This is this death stuff. Yeah, it's like much more like straight up, like like it's also Nooth Crush crossed with Sleep almost. 
Huh. I need that. I want the sec like the second seven inch. But it's Unclean on Asbestos Records, which yeah. I assume is self-released, I would guess. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's not that expensive. You can uh you could get that. Not anymore, Chris. Not anymore. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um I can't remember what we wanted on this. Yeah, sleep seeing sleep in the air, I think it'd be nuts. I've still never seen them actually. Even on the recent incarnation, I believe they toured, I think. No? Yeah, oh yeah. No, I've seen them a couple times. They are fantastic. I saw them on this record, actually. Yeah, I think I remember them. Now, see, they, now I, I regret not going. <laughs> I think I remember when they were coming through. And I don't know why. I just, yeah. Being old and cynical doesn't help sometimes. You think it, of these scenarios, but yeah. You know, what the, you know the first, also the thing about Sleep that's amazing is that first seven inches on off the disc. Really? Yeah. I think we talked, actually, we did talk about this, I think, recently. Yeah, because we did I the dive before on the. Uh, yeah, it is, too, with the Sabbath ripoff cover. Yep. Wow. That's a fairly expensive record. Oh, yeah. There's then also variations that go for more. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's not any variation of that one. I thought there was. Well, there's color. colors. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't have this either. Actually, I don't. My sleep collection is very, very crap. <laughs> now that I think about it, but I like the records for sure. I've never heard this seven inch though. It's 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 pretty awesome. Um, it's like obviously a Black Sabbath cover on the A side. Yeah. The the thing is though that label man off the disc. What yeah. an ear for extreme music. Yeah, especially of those years. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, definitely for those years. Like talk about hitting like all the bands. Not all the bands, obviously, but like the, a lot of the bands that would go on to become something. <laughs> and the Red Fisher 7-inch, which I own. <laughs> Dude. And and uh, the band Shutdown, the emo band from uh, England. It is crazy. The fact that you have the Infest Slave record and the Siege, the Siege reissue, I guess it would be. Bootleg, depending on who you talk to. Ooh, yeah, whatever you want to call it. But like, yeah, and the Morbid Angel 7-inch. And yeah, and like the demise stuff, the rupture, like the best rupture seven inch, arguably. So is this more? Is this the first Morbid Angel thing? Just pressed to seven inch. Yeah, yeah. Holy! I never do that either. That's crazy. Yeah, it's like the craziest label. Yeah, even that. It looks great too. That record shit. Um. Yeah, I I can't uh, argue it. Everything is fairly dear to, to acquire sadly in these day in these years now of record collecting but um and some of the stuff I, I haven't heard like i think you mentioned maybe that sticky seven inch i haven't heard that the first thing they ever did it's fantastic fantastic yeah, record that fear of god um <laughs> chronicle diarrhea i have not heard <laughs> i have not heard chronicle diarrhea <laughs> what's that be like low cool low key now no, I was going to say, like, <laughs> super famous or super important. Yeah, it looks incredible. I'll say that. Is that the artwork is insane. It's, um, well, actually, anyway. someone from this band goes on to be in the band uh, uh, Boren and Der Club of Gore. And okay. Der Club of Gore, uh, which is apparently doom-ridden jazz music. <laughs> Um, Fair enough. But they have like a ton of albums. Wow. 
I can't believe this and Chronicle Diarrhea have two albums and then two EPs. They were on Nuclear Blast. Like I we, know. Uh, you know what? We're probably – people are right now screaming like, how do you not know Chronicle Diarrhea? It's true. Yeah. I'm sure there is at least somebody <laughs> just saying that. But oh, yes. I'm going to be on the lookout for Chronicle Diarrhea from now on. Yeah. I'm going to try and catch that wherever I can. <laughs> what um, – that we spiraled on this off the sleep topic, though. Do you want to go more with this, or do you want to jump to something else? Uh, I guess, like, yeah, like I wanted to to jump in um, a little bit on the. Uh, uh, I want I want the talk. Also, I noticed the reaction that I'm getting on this episode. Everyone that's freaking out are my friends that are like maybe two or three younger than me, two or three years yeah. younger than me, which means maybe I was immature because I also did enjoy Jackass at the time, but like. <laughs> You can tell that it was a huge touchstone for people that would have been, I guess, like teenagers when it was hitting at the time on yeah, TV. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like that's what I was trying to express. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm really trying to struggle to to think of what age I was when I remember first watching those, like the shows or whatever. It would have come out in like two thousand, right? Yeah. So I would have been out of out of my teen years. Um, maybe like maybe that I just remember feeling like I was, you know, and not because it, the show is juvenile or whatever, but I just remember feeling like I was a bit like older and it, it, it was appealing more to the young people at the time. Um, but like the show is fine. I, again, I feel like though we got it laid up here and I, I cannot remember because I don't believe, you know, much music had shown them at all. And mm-hmm. that those years it was still a thing. So I, I I just can't I don't know how people were seeing it apart from, you know obviously the stuff and those like the those snowboard videos but there was like I remember like again I knew someone who had like the T-shirt I can vividly see it in my brain still it's like he, they had a ringer, and it was a jackass tee and I remember thinking like wow this is that big, like so I already knew what it was like vaguely, but like year wise I can't yeah it's been like two thousand maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, you know, that's kind of, like it came out and it became like a, an instant phenomena, right? Like it was talked about everywhere. And I guess like the one thing that we would have experienced kind of just before that, especially where we are in Canada, is the Tom Green stuff. Yeah, that's – and that I just thought of that too when, when I was kind of thinking that like uh, – or saying that, pardon me. Um, because Tom Green, like we – like here we were – we got it sort of ground level up. Especially if you lived in like the Ottawa area or whatever, then you had the the actual like you know whatever like um, local cable had it. But even in even in Canada, like outside, eventually they showed it on like Canadian uh, a broadcaster here. So I never saw the American Tom Green show because I don't remember who I don't even know if anybody showed that here. Like I know it was on MTV in the states, but I don't think we ever got it on a on a channel over here that I remember. And this is again, pre YouTube, pre, you know, it was like early internet. So there was no good, um, source for that kind of stuff. They would even show that the Rogers era show from Ottawa on public access stuff here. I remember. Yes, exactly. They, they showed that, but I remember like the comedy network here carried that. Yeah. Then the so comedy I, network started showing it after. Yeah. Which was a, like a sort of a larger broadcaster as a parent company of, so it, it was shown, nationally here but that the mtv one so to for listeners who are not canadian um there's like 
dark spots where like Tom Green arguably blew up. Like he was already bigger here, but he blew up in the states and that and you know shy of like news certain news items. Like that show was completely like, you know, like blacked out so to speak. Like I yeah. I didn't I can't even think of anything I saw off of the American Tom Green ever. Um Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything that I remember seeing from that too. Which is again in the the Jackass years I feel like are very very close. And I'm not saying either one is a byproduct of another by any means, but I just think that whole there was a there was a blank spot because we weren't getting it wasn't coming over. Maybe people were tape trading at the time. I don't know, but I definitely hadn't seen a lot of that stuff when it was originally airing in MTV. Certainly. <laughs> so we're doing a dab, Chris. <laughs> God, I felt like, do I fill the space here, or just do I, do I let the noise go? <laughs> just listen to me inhaling. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree. There were dark spots of the Tom Green thing, but I think. You know, the jackass thing was taking the Tom Green stuff to the next extreme, maybe. Yeah. But what I mean, what I'm trying to get at is I don't know how the younger people I knew that were getting into it were getting into it. Because I felt like for me, I was just kind of like I didn't care enough. So I I wasn't paying much attention, but people were getting into it. I just don't know how at the time. I don't think anybody was showing it here. Well, but, volume uh, two and three – came out as cheap dvds okay so maybe that's how yeah know. you could buy them everywhere they must have sold millions of those things like millions and millions of those things because fuck i remember getting them in i think we got them in as american imports first at the video store i was working at and mm-hmm. at the time i was kind of learning about mondo films like death films and like this whole kind of like genre of or not even genre more like world of extreme cinema and then to see this come out on TV at the time, um, it was like, holy fuck. This is like the nirvana of of Mondo films happening right now. Like this is breaking <laughs> mainstream. Yeah, what's what's funny about it is I never, you know, I, I feel once I realized how crazy some of the stuff was, particularly it really sunk in when I remember seeing that first movie. And like, because the movie had a major push and I, I don't know how well it did at the theater, but it definitely oh, I think, was not. I think it cleaned up. Yeah. And it was not hard to see. I just ignored going to see it in the theater for whatever reason. And then eventually saw it, but I couldn't believe how, you know, again, I haven't seen it in years and years, arguably a decade, but I, I just remember thinking there was pretty extreme things in the movie and I couldn't believe they got away with it and whatever. But, um, yeah, I can't remember my point now. <laughs> I was gonna make, but uh, it hadn't sunk in, I guess, as to how uh, "quote unquote" extreme it was up until that point. I just assumed, based on watching like skateboard videos and stuff, it's like, oh, okay, there's some pranks or stunts, and you know, whatever. It's it is what it is. And via Tom Green, we obviously had that here too. I don't think, you know, again, I don't really believe that one is influenced by the other. I don't know which came first or what have you, but. Um, although they both come from the same worlds, weirdly enough, uh, yeah, hundred percent. To speak to that whole like skateboarding, whatever, all that stuff comes out of. But, um, yeah, anyway. which I guess like you know, where do you trace it back to in skateboarding? Is it the like who's that? Is it just like the shit disturber side of skateboarding? I'm just trying to think. Like, I, 
Like, cause you don't really see that kind of stuff in like public domain and those kind of videos. I'm trying to think of like, I'm not enough of a skateboard historian to really nail this one, but I just, Tom Green's such a unique, weird thing. I don't think, I think Tom Green's just an out, you know, like an offshoot of like the prank thing, but who just happened to come from like that weird, weird world of skateboarding based on his age at that time. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm sure there are parts in skate videos or people like specifically that some would cite, but I, I don't remember anything jumping out at me apart from your average, you know, like fighting security guards or something or, you know, like crazy stuff like that, that they throw in as little tidbits in, in between, you know, segments. Um, yeah, like, yeah, you know, I guess this kind of also is like the thing I really wanted to talk about today is like, do you view jackass and what these guys are doing as art and are they artists in what they do in your mind? Mm. It's a difficult question because I thought about this when when I listened to the episode. I don't know, like I don't, I don't feel because I do, I do. Yeah, we. I don't. I wouldn't want to say no. Like I, I wouldn't outright say no. But what I would say is I don't. I can't tell if it's just preferentially. I don't hold it in the same regard as other things. I feel are are more artistic, and that that's why I'm being, you know, an, an elitist about that attitude or whatever that opinion. But I don't know. Like I. I don't know. I think for me, it's the intent and in, in when it was made. And I never viewed that as, and again, as I'm learning though from the interview, that there was intent in the way certain things were made as artistic pursuits. If that's the case, then yeah, I don't know. I guess you can't argue that it's not, but I never viewed it as that initially. Um, but I don't know. I've never dedicated a lot of thought to it. And even when I think now it's a difficult thing to parse because I don't want to sound like a dick to say no. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, yeah, I guess. I'd never thought about it. I think in its very form, it's like, it, it's art, right? Like, they're, you know, holding up a mirror to society. Like, what does it say about our society? And what does it say about us? And I'm, I'm including myself in this because I paid for it too. But that we're, we want to pay to watch people feel, you know, granted pain. But we're willing to, like, work to get capital and then sacrifice that capital to watch other people experience things. And in this case, things that are horrendous. Yeah. There, there I think the, the thing that, yeah, you, you'd summarize that very well. I think the other thing is that people want to see things that, or at least from my experience watching it, one thing I got out of it was, you know, you genuinely felt like, um, or I did anyway, you felt like, you know, you, you, the pain was obviously real, but like you felt a real sense of like, um, like, I guess that like fear for the, for what actually could happen. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's rare when you watch something, when you think like, wow, like this guy can die. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not like, I remember watching one of their, one of their bits that still is like in my brain is I can't remember what movie it's in. I feel like it's the second one. I don't know if they did a third movie. They did a 3d one. Okay. Well, one, there's one where, uh, Steve-O jumps in the ocean and they do they were just the one where they're doing all these crazy animal ones I okay. think it was a jackass movie I, don't, I hope it wasn't because I know him and Pontius had that other show yeah I don't think it was on that I think this was in a jackass movie but anyway it's he jumps in and they chum him up and there's two bits with this because they do one with a uh, a whale shark which is wild and that that's just you know fairly innocuous but uh, but there's another one where they chum him up they go way out like in the middle of like 
the ocean, wherever. And they try to attract a mako shark, which are insane. Yeah. And like deadly, deadly, deadly. And he, I mean, he jumps in chummed up. And I can't remember what the bit is. It's like he has to out swim it into the boat or something. I can't remember what the whole crux of the, the bit is. But all I remember is like he avoids the, the shark narrowly. And then they show the slow-mo recap. And the thing would have like taken off his leg. Yeah. Like he, like he was very, very close to getting like fully maimed and it was like you know and of course in the jackass style they just watch it and like laugh and it's like absurd that they don't <laughs> seem to care but uh but at the time I just remember thinking like holy like you just that's how immediate it was and it was not like nothing was staged you know I mean, that was like a dude avoided a shark <laughs> could have gotten desperately hurt or died and just yeah like that's one of the things i can't even remember them all but uh, I don't remember why we got on this topic. But well, the, you yeah. were talking about art, right? And I think like mm. or the sacrifices that they put through. And oh yeah, yeah. It was the, it was the real. I think people, even myself, like I, I, you know, that real. You don't see things that are that real ever. Like that genuine. I don't know. Even the like I said, even that other show Pontius and uh, Stevo did. I watched a little bit of that, and that was wild too. Like, it was just like the whole premise of the show is nuts. It's just like the, them going to like deadly parts of the world, deadly animals doing like the dumbest shit. Fucking like it's, with the it's animals. Cra- yeah, and it's just like it's the crate. Like the like it sounds like a, an absolute disaster of an idea, and somehow it it played. But it, it's you know people watch it because it is you know legitimately crazy, <laughs> like legitimately dangerous, crazy stuff. Yeah, and why do we like watching it? I don't know. It's also like them selling it too. Like the way they took pain is why. It worked, you know, like they all like have such incredible reactions to the pain. And then they're also like able to laugh it off when, yeah. you know, but I think but, that's go on, go on. Yeah, no, no, go. Well, I was going to say like, then you see the real life toll in air. Like yeah, to me, it's course. like seeing like the wrestler, you know, in, in the wrestler, uh, or the movie, the wrestler, I mean, but, or like seeing yeah. like, you know, someone who's like been through it, like someone who's like, you know, got the scars for what they, they went through. And like, you know, he's got emotional scars when he talks about it too, like how much it sucked to make this stuff, you know? And it's, it is like, there's like a real sacrifice for this art, you know, that they, they, he, you know, truly believed in. I think actually that was the most revealing part of that interview now that you say that is when he talks about the how much anxiety he has going into the idea of ever filming it like again. And that stuff you don't think about because you just assume at this point they're all, you know, cozy and if they do it, yeah, they'll be inconvenienced mildly for, you know, a, a brief time and then they go back to whatever luxury they have nowadays. But uh yeah, you're right. It would suck. <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> Uh, looking forward to that and having that notoriety. I think that would be the weirdest thing is having that expectation from like, that's what you receive your, you know, your, your quote unquote fame from. So the expectation is always that, you know, you, you need to perform in that manner. I think that would be crazy to try and uh, live up to at all times. Yeah, no, definitely. It would be, uh, it'll be a free. I think that it's the same though. I think it's the same even for like, you know, like, like, like you are a far less extreme example, but I feel like that's something like when you perform that expectation of like, 
oh, you need to break a bottle over your head or you need to like rip your forehead open. Like that expectation is just kind of a, like it's a difficult thing to carry. Yeah. Like it definitely was for a while, but there's also a, uh, I don't know. For me, that was almost like a, an anxiety reliever hurting myself on stage because yeah. it's like no matter what, people are going to leave remembering this. You know, that's true. But what I mean to say is, like, when you're, let's say, you're more. I, I just feel like the, these experiences are transformative. So the idea being, you know, you're however long into your career with the group you're a part of. You know, I'm guessing that you don't have the necessity you once had to do those sorts of things because no. you've grown as a human being. Therefore, that expectation of it's kind of like the, like it's like the Gigi Allen thing, right, or the Iggy Pop thing. Like Iggy Pop, to my knowledge, no longer like cuts himself up and rolls around in glass and does whatever. And like, you know, Gigi Allen was the, the the nth extreme to that idea. And like the idea, obviously he died, you know, fairly young, all things considered. Uh, you know, that expectation of like, how do you, there's no, that's that's not a longevity thing. You know what I mean? That doesn't yeah. exist in, uh, and that's like speaking of wrestling or even the Jackass thing, like, yeah, like it's of course it's going to take its toll because it's not meant to be a long term thing. Oh yeah, like I I can remember the moment, and it's funny because like this also, I remember the moment I stopped being like, okay, I'm going to hurt myself on stage or I'm going to do something crazy on stage, like like you know, from a blood perspective or thing like that. Is because we played a show and this kid in the crowd took tried to take the microphone from me to bust his own head open. Yeah, and he was like, he was you know not like a little kid, but he was like definitely younger than me and like doing it because he thought I would think it was cool. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, the other shoe has fallen. Like this is the, uh, this is what it's like when you're now like, you know, you transcend and you become something that, you know, younger people are checking out and people that don't necessarily know. And, you know, like as much as like these skate videos featured a lot of the ridiculous stuff, like everyone was kind of a little bit more in the know. You know, when they watch shit and they watched, you know, number two or whatever, or they watched whiskey or CKY. But then all of a sudden it was like on TV for everyone to see. And yeah, was- that I think that's what it was to me is when it seemed like they were able to make that major jump. And, you know, from a music perspective, often when that happens, it, it, it you know, severely waters down what it came from, you know, to use the very like basic examples of like, you know, whatever band was, you know, now on a major, they used to be a band that, you know, say it was a punk band or whatever. And you just assume, okay, this record's going to be the week one or going to be like a whatever. And like, it's kind of funny because Jackass was that, you know, on steroids arguably. And it's still, it was actually more, <laughs> I think it was crazier with a budget and with backing because they had the ability to do more elaborate stunts and more elaborate pranks and stuff and or whatever so yeah it was like this bizarre reverse example of that yeah well that's the thing like he even says like it escalates so much by the time they get to the movies yeah again the movie even the idea just seems like it would be very limiting you know the idea of like well how much can you do how much can you take so that was part of my mentality about the movies when i remember them coming out is i remember thinking well Anything I've seen up to this point, like how is this going to outdo any of that? And yeah. I was dead wrong. Yeah. <laughs> dead wrong. Like those movies. Like if you, if there's anyone listening who still has never seen those, you watch them. I guarantee it. I'd still be moved by them. Like they were, 
they're pretty crazy. The <laughs> stuff that happens in them. Oh, it's insane. Know- and also like uh, that, that is to me, you know, the, the stories about him growing up are, are definitely the highlights of the episode, I think, because yeah, they're just yeah. like so incredibly, you know, formative, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think like the other one is the story about his mom watching the movie for the first time. That is crazy. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Even that, that's so, oh, can you imagine your parents? Like, I just, you don't even think that's like nowadays. That's what I think of when I listen to some of these episodes or whatever is like the idea that these people have careers, uh, you know, on the backs of whatever they did. But yeah, like something like that, <laughs> like, like having yeah. to like, you know, face your parents, <laughs> like yeah. watching that, you know, especially those ones. Cause there's some pretty like just bizarre, <laughs> like weird, weird things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. There were some, yeah. No. No, I, I, I felt bad enough making my parents see me do some silly things on stage, but yeah, because it's all relative. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the fine line between like if, if that wasn't successful, you know, how is that viewed? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that's always the, the barometer for me is like, you know, and in the wake of Jackass, certainly there's been seemingly like a lot of, uh, you know, things that are similar or things in, in, you know, people that do those kinds of stunts that don't receive that notoriety seemingly. All the and GGs so I, that weren't GG. Exactly. That, exactly. That, which is probably one of my favorite great subtopics that we've never, um, really explored at, at length. But yeah, the GGs that weren't GG as, as coined by you on turn up upon footnotes. Who, who do you think like, yeah, how many kids do you think are like maimed for life thinking, I'm going to be the next Danger Aaron. Well, wasn't that why? Wasn't that the show that had that huge ex- disclaimer at the beginning? I thought that's why they did it. I thought. Yeah, they did. But then yeah. there was like, gosh, I remember there was like MTV running that show about Jackass Cruise. I don't remember that. The one thing I remember is um, there was a brief show called The Dudes, and because apparently there was a crew of people in I want to say Sweden. No, wasn't it Scotland? No, well, maybe. We, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to see if there were like, if there's a list of all these other things that I remember, but I remember there being something called Jackass World. But I don't know. I wish there was a resource for Jackass shows. <laughs> oh, Jackass World was their website. Uh, they had a TV movie. I don't know. But that you looks like it's just back. jackass people back. Hmm. Either way, yeah. I don't know, so Chris. I, I, don't I don't know. know. We're going to have to I dive don't... into this. Hopefully, hopefully there's a jackass <laughs> yeah. aficionado who can come in with and help us out with this. Yeah, for sure. Or if you're out there and you know more than we do seemingly about it, feel free to write us here at turnoutapunkfootnotes at gmail.com. That's a great idea. Um, is there uh, anything else you want to get to from this episode? Oh, um... I guess we should discuss the Melvins thing because you know more about it. So if mm-hmm. you want to speak on that, I don't. So he's been like longer friends with the Melvins, and he's yeah. working on a project based on them. He's been going to Melvin shows. Like he posted a picture on his Instagram. He must be like seventeen in the photo, uh, or something. Like he looks like a young, young kid. So he's been going to the Melvin shows, just taking photos for years. 
And yeah. so he's got like a whole book worth of photos about the Melvins. Oh, okay. And, and he wants, wants to publish to like it? A, uh, like kind of like growing up with the Melvins book. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, like it's he's he's definitely like someone who I don't know, I'm very like I can't wait to see that something like that come out because like you know, the, I I remember watching Jackass and being like, you know, you see these like little little signposts like are they punk people? Like are they from punk? You know, like they have the Minuteman song as the uh theme. They have yeah. uh you know, like you see the photos and Ryan Dunn would be wearing like a blood for blood hoodie. And, you know, but then Bam would have, like, kind of weird tastes, but then he'd, like, Turbo, <laughs> but then he'd, like, that him, sub, him band, and you're like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of cool to get it confirmed that, like, you know, Danger Aaron has been going to the Melvins, like, his whole life and taking pictures with those guys. So, yeah, there is, like, a, a legit punk connection. Yeah, cool. I I never – like I just assumed based on the world they came from, they were they liked some of that stuff. Obviously, I was aware of the things you mentioned, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's I don't know. I never I didn't think too much about Jackass. <laughs> not not as a I'm not saying that as like a term of disrespect or anything. I'm just like I never gave it a lot of thought. <laughs> I just took it at face value. Well, Chris, that's what this show's for. You know, we we take the stuff that's been cast off by society. That we know changed it. Yeah. And we discuss it to fucking death. What I'm curious about, back to the Gigi's not Gigi topic, is had Mr. <laughs> Gigi Allen still existed, would there have ever been a bizarre crossover scenario with these gentlemen? Chris, I want you to put into the old Google machine CKY Gigi Allen. What? There's actually a bit? There's a bit. With him, like live. Well, not live, but with him. Oh, it's them doing a. Oh, they visit the grave. They visit the grave. They piss on it. They they do the whole shebang. Wow, I was not aware of this. Yeah, this is the CKY. So this is like you know pre Jackass kind of Jackass stuff, but there is, uh, and then the band CKY, which features Bam's brother. And went yeah. on tour with friend of the show Danko Jones. Um, you know they they uh, they do a Gigi Allen cover, but <laughs> they talk all about Gigi Allen. They're like how you're supposed to piss on his grave, and you know it's funny when you watch this and see Bam like talking about it. But yeah, there's a whole bit with Gigi Allen. So they paid they paid uh, the tip of the hat to the to the original shocking entertainer. So my guess is that there would have been <laughs> had he lived. Yeah, I think there would have been. I think it's fairly safe to say. Or he might have hated it. He might have been like, these fucking posers have no idea what it's yeah, like, but, you know? Yeah, true. You never know. Very interesting. Yeah, that, that idea. I wonder what like Merle thinks of that. Uh, he's probably like, well, I get paid every time from the, uh, licensing. So I'm kind of into this. That's funny. I had no idea about this. Yeah, no, I told wow. you. See, again, it shows my knowledge of these videos and like, yeah. Well, yeah, I tell you, this is I'm the, not... and also Bam clearly 
knows all the lyrics to Bite It You Scum. <laughs> yeah, not hard lyrics to know. Not hard lyrics to know. Is but, that right? Uh, Dunn singing on stage too? Yeah, they yeah. all, well, from what little I've watched here really quickly, but um, yeah, wild. Well, you never, like, nothing is, uh, nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> Jackass also did follow that kind of Gigi Allen progression where they got, like, more extreme as time went on. You know, yeah, like yeah. Gigi's music, granted, got worse, but certainly got more extreme. <laughs> yeah, yes, it did. Uh, man, I'm just now watching this video that I haven't watched since I was like a teenager. It's giving me mad flashbacks. <laughs> well, it is available very clearly on uh, a very famous internet site, which shows. Videos, yeah. So you can can search it for those who don't, uh, those who aren't familiar, like I wasn't. But yeah, that's wild. I had no idea. All you need to do is search CKY GG Allen. So yes, Chris, there would indeed have been a crossover between these uh, two venerable institutions. Mm -hmm. Um, and also Bam got Turbo on the air too, right? A bunch of times, right? Yeah, like he definitely did. I remember whatever that show was called. He had him on, but I Evil don't. Uh, I don't know how much they were already growing here, or his influence was instrumental. That's that's another argument. I like yeah, like they were a band that had in like, North America in North America. They had a cult within punk rock that was like pretty fucking huge. Like yeah, like I'm not saying this as disrespect at all. Like they definitely had and are, and are rightfully up to that point in history were were very highly revered. But I don't know if the them popping like they did in recent years is definitely lent lent more due to that show's involvement. Yeah, like it's weird because like like you know I was thinking about this today, like how wild that tribute record to them is. That, that came yeah, out. Even even that was prior. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's all prior to that. So it's like yeah. they were pretty big, but me right. Like that, like you forget how big mainstream exposure is, and especially something like that when that was MTV was still able to kind of like hit. Yeah, totally. I think too, like speaking from experience of going to their concerts in those years, like I had seen them prior to that. And you know it was it was definitely like a, a bigger concert, all things considered. But I remember seeing them at years after that, and it was certainly considerably larger. And that's you know obviously could be due to their the amount they toured, you know, in more recent years. But I definitely remember that show giving them a, a bit of a bump here. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think you're you're saying like more recently, it's like all the teenagers that were watching that show, yeah, are, who are now adults, yeah. Um. It's a, uh, yeah, like it's, it's gnarly. There's, it, it's like definitely amazing how much, like he talks about it, like this thing kind of would influence where we are. Like, I don't know, you know, if it's a hundred percent responsible for the creation of YouTube, but at the same time, like look at like a lot of the big YouTubers that are like into pulling pranks and stuff like that. It's just like, that is totally jackass inspired. Yeah. I think the, um, Trying to think of the way the way to phrase it, I think the outlet for YouTube is was certainly influenced by stuff like Jackass, like the the that world of you know whatever like outsider video stuff. Like YouTube is literally the perfect 
you know, which, which is why a lot of it's all on there too. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the stuff that is not like, you know, obviously protected by certain copyrights and what have you, or at least not aggressively. Um, I just looked up Turbo Negro Viva La Bam to see how many episodes they were featured on and stuff like that. But one of the things that popped up is an article from Juice Magazine that opens with the lines, you may have heard about – you may have heard Turbo Negro on Jackass or Viva La Bam. (laughs) I don't remember them being featured on Jackass. I wouldn't be surprised. but I I think they are, right? I Probably. I just don't have any vivid memory of that. But – I would not obviously I wouldn't be surprised now but the isn't the theme oh no it's the I was going to say wasn't the theme song to that show a turbo song but no it's uh again that show with Steve-O and uh Pontius had a they used uh something off of uh Apocalypse Dudes oh yeah like the I remember the guitar intro or something yeah I can't remember what song but yeah so it you know they definitely have no the, none of those People hide their uh, admiration for that group. Yeah, I think they used All My Friends Are Dead in Jackass, it looks like. That would have been a newer one then. Okay. And then they did a – they might have also used uh, Sailor Man. Yeah. I'm just curious the years on that, like if they were using Sailor Man when that record dropped. Oh, and the whole Jackass crew was in the video for Sell Your Body. Yeah, which is funny. Yeah, so that's on, that's on. Uh, what you call it? Um, Scandinavian leather. I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah, like because that their feature on that deep. show was was after that, after the that record, to my knowledge. Like the 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 world of Viva La Bam, that show or whatever, was all post that record. Yeah, not that much longer after, but it was definitely after that record. Uh, what's this uh, Raw Music City article? Hank Von Hell uh, back with Steve-O from Jackass, and it's sexy as fuck is the headline for this article. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's like uh, Steve-O is in the new Hank Von Hell video. Ah, uh, I see. Well, see, it has ne- the, the, uh, the pairing has never separated. Steve-O is... There he is. <laughs> Weird. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. This is what happens when we get late into the night, Chris, and I, I get started getting <laughs> distracted on, on videos. Hey, it happens. Uh, so what other, uh, what other points here or do you want to – I think, I, I think I'm good. Like unless there's anything else do you want to dive into. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm fantastic. Uh, so next week, Julian Baker is on the show for an episode that we will have a lot to talk about, Chris. We will have a ton nice. to get into next week. Um, and that will be maybe it for Turn to the Punk footnotes for a minute. And then we're going to come back and then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it here first. We're going to be doing this Patreon thing and, and we're going to have some changes going on around here. Hey, eh, Chris? So I hear. <laughs> so we're going to. Things are going to get real fun and interesting. And, yeah, we got some cool other guests coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, but, yeah, Julian Baker this week on the show. And uh, that's it. Uh, do we have anything else to talk about, buddy? We should probably remind them of why we will be having a miniature hiatus. That's true. The miniature hiatus will be because I will be in Europe with Fucked Up. So if you're in England 
or Amsterdam or Holland or uh, uh, Ireland or Scotland or France or Germany. Uh, check your local listings because there's a one in I don't know how many cities are in each of those countries. Whatever chance that we're going to be there because we're going to a couple different cities in Europe. Yes, from from the nineteenth of. January until the 30th of January. Yeah. Throughout Europe and uh, UK and England, what have you. Yeah, we're going to be coming to you and playing some music and uh, hopefully smoking some weed. So come on out, bring that. <laughs> and uh, also uh, eating some food, maybe buying some records. You know, we're touring with Chastity, a band that was on my favorite bands of the year albums list. So I'm very excited to be on the road with them. And uh, yeah, it was going to be a fun time. Cool. Uh, but that's, that's, that's all. That's all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, how do they get in touch with us here again, Chris? Well, you can reach us at turn out punk footnotes at gmail.com. And you can find me at left for Damien Oh, drop something. You can find me at Left for Damien on various forms of social media. And that's it. Uh, we will see you all next week. Bye.